Our modern Western culture places little to no value on the power of our nightly dreams to inspire, shift, and reorganize our lives. This podcast demands a deep reconsideration of the role dreams play on our path to a more vital and meaningful life. The following is living proof of the life-affirming power of dreams to affect change and redirect the trajectory of our inner and outer lives. These are the dreams that shape us. It often boggles the mind how our ancestors were able to accurately understand and utilize the medicinal value of plants way, way before science came along and confirmed what folk tradition has known for millennia. We can often think, oof, who are these poor souls who had to suffer at the expense of figuring these things out, right? But maybe the world being quieter, people were able to hear better. And maybe this ability to listen meant that the plants spoke to them through their dreams. Our guest today is Val of Woodspell Apothecary. She is an herbalist carrying on this tradition of being in deep relationship with the natural world. And as you will hear, the plants are speaking. She shares several very potent dreams of how plants and animals have been powerful guides and teachers for her. And you'll discover without a doubt that the plants are calling her into service and are committed to aiding her on this path. It's extraordinary. And we hope you enjoy this conversation. Well, welcome everybody back to another episode of the Dreams That Shape Us podcast. I'm Steve Ernwine and I'm here with Val of Woodspell Apothecary. She is an herbalist and I am super pumped to talk to her today about how she combines herbalism in tandem with dream work and the way we're going to talk about that today is uh, diving into a slew of dreams that she has had where animals and plants have shown up for her and kind of like a, as helpers and guides and allies and helping her to to walk the path before her. And so we're, we're super pumped to have you on the show here today. Uh, thank you for coming. If you want to say hi to everybody. <laughs> hi, thank you so much for having me. It's it's honestly an honor. It's wonderful. Yeah, well, likewise. So to begin, I guess I was going to ask you just to get more of an idea about you. Uh, when you took on this life path of being an herbalist and kind of like what that, kind of what what is it, a, what, where's the passion point there for you? Like, what is it about it that really speaks to you, really calls you into that work? Yeah, it's interesting because it's been a really, you know, kind of long winding path for me. I, you know, growing up, I was always outside, you know, my parents were our big hunters and campers. So we were camping all the time, spent time up north in the woods and, and things like that. So I've always been really close to nature and felt like there was like a little like extra kernel, like something just beyond kind of reach for me there. I just, you know, as a kid, I had no idea what it was and coming, you know, kind of growing up in a Midwestern, you know, very traditional family, it, it wasn't 
something that was really even accessible to me to go beyond basically just the surface appearance of nature and herbs and plants. It just wasn't really an option. So it was kind of something that I just put on the back burner as I grew up into a teenager and got into all the teenage things and whatnot. And I actually was formally trained as a digital artist, a 3D artist, an animator, a graphic designer as well. So uh, I went to college for that and I did that for quite a few years, actually. Meanwhile, the plants kind of took, you know, a back seat at that point. And it's not like I ever lost touch with that. It's just, it didn't really seem like it was really an option to sort of pursue that. And I wouldn't even know really where to begin. So mm-hmm. everything kind of changed to when uh, my hu- now husband and I moved to Colorado, which was obviously complete culture shock, something completely different from Michigan, not only just the people, but the landscape with the mountains mm-hmm. and the sunshine and just everything was completely different. And it was kind of one of those things that was the eye kind of start, starts to open like the third eye just there's like a little peak you know you kind of get an <laughs> essence of something you're like okay there's something here especially when you remove yourself from everything you've ever known right and so right. uh that was kind of the beginning but it was kind of ironic because at the same time I was dealing with a lot of health issues just chronic digestive issues and I went to all the doctors all sorts of tests done and no one could help me basically they just tell me to take tums and i was like (laughs) i'm having terrible heartburn every day i'm in pain like this is just not good and you're telling me to take tums so it just i felt kind of helpless at that point and i didn't know where to go it was really depressing even being in this beautiful place like with all of these people with different perspectives and things like that i just felt I don't know. It was kind of like rock bottom for me. Um, and so finally, yeah, I had a coworker that recommended maybe seeing a naturopathic doctor for a change. And that was something that I hadn't ever even considered or been in my realm of vision, you know? And so, uh, luckily being in Denver was, we had a lot of options for, for people like that. And so that was a really big blessing. And so the first naturopathic doctor I went to, basically sat with me for a good almost two hours literally going over everything every everything from my past literally every concern complaint you know it actually felt like he cared which was a big contrast from uh, conventional doctors and things that I had seen who would sit with you I'm sure you know for like five minutes and they're like all right either here's some (laughs) prescription or you know just forget about it basically and so Uh, It was kind of the first step of first, you know, just really feeling seen. Um, So that was a big first step and feeling like I wasn't crazy. And then part of his treatment plan, because the first meeting, he didn't even give me any sort of treatment or direction about what to do. But uh, he wanted to take all that information I gave him back and kind of go over it and then come up with a good treatment plan. And so the second time I met with him, he uh, went over everything, and some of the, the big things he gave me were herbal medicines, um, specifically an uva ursi tincture, um, a very potent garlic tincture, which was <laughs> intense. Um, but yeah, some just some herbal supplements, some dietary suggestions as well. And you know, sure enough, like obviously I was a little skeptical at first, but mm-hmm. like 
probably within a few weeks, I felt completely different, which was wild to me because I had been dealing with this for, you know, a couple of years at this point. And so just seeing that, like, just these simple natural remedies could literally change my life when nothing else could was not only felt like a little bit of a miracle, but was also empowering because yeah. I realized that, you know, I didn't want to feel helpless again. I didn't want to feel like I was at the mercy of these doctors who didn't know me, didn't really care about what I had to say. And so I knew at that point that I wanted to kind of pursue that as a, a career, which was obviously a big change from being uh, a designer and things like that. But, you know, everybody luckily in my life was very supportive and I was able to, you know, go back to school while also working and try and figure that out. And so that was a big part of just wanting to share that knowledge with other people that there's another way um, because herbal medicine not only is, you know, much safer for us, but also, like I said, it's, it's empowering. It gives people a feeling that they can, they can help themselves, which I think is so important, you know, in, in this life as you know, as society is just feels so crazy. Sometimes it feels like you don't have power over anything. So this is, it was a big thing for me. And also, you know, just that spiritual connection, it feels like there's mm -hmm. so much more to plants um, than we see on the surface. And it, it really linked back to my childhood where I, you know, felt like there was something more, but couldn't quite put my finger on it. And so being able to sort of commune with the plants on a deeper spiritual level made everything make sense. So Finally, everything kind of came circle, full circle, uh, probably about five or six years ago now. Wow, that's that's a really awesome journey. Wow. Yeah, it was it was quite the journey, and it wasn't you know, it was not pretty. It was not a pretty journey. <laughs> you know, like I, I told you before we started recording today's my 30th birthday. So I've really been reflecting on the past decade of my life. And it's, you know, they always say the 20s are the best years of your lives, but your life, but I really, I'm not sure there was a lot of pain, a lot of growth there sort of, you know, shedding all of the preconceived mm -hmm. notions of what life is, who I am, like, it's a, it's a painful transformation. That is for sure. So, you know, finally now at this point in my life, though, I feel like I think the thirties are the new twenties in my, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I'll be 36 in January and I, my twenties were much the same. It was just an insane amount of growth and a, an insane amount of, uh, I don't know. When I think back on it, I'm grateful for, for what happened in my 20s, but I feel like I was just lost for most of it and just uh, oh, struggling to kind of find my way. And I mean, that first decade of kind of getting thrown out into the world, I think is is such like a, it's it's kind of like an initiation of sorts of having to find where you fit in the world and how you choose to show up and it's definitely a, a dicey yeah. <laughs> time period for sure 100 percent, and it's like i mean it's really like being born again i don't know if you're very familiar with like the chakra system and you know how all of that develops but it, you basically just go through cycles of developing you know 
the root chakra to the sacral, the solar plexus, like all of these energetic, you know, centers of yourself over and over again. And the first, um, you know, development takes place when you're born and then ends as soon as you become an adult. And then as soon as you become an adult, you have to relearn everything (laughs) all over again, like who you are, um, what you deserve to feel like, you know, what you want to bring into the world, how you feel about others, like just going through all of those other chakra centers again and trying to realign and figure all that stuff out. It's, it's intense, but you know, like you, I also definitely don't regret anything that happened. There were definitely, you know, some great moments and I was very blessed, uh, you know, with the people in my life and the ability to, you know, explore different avenues as well. So I'm definitely grateful for that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't know how, how much into astrology you are, but you're coming out of your solar return or your Saturn return, aren't you? Yes, I am. Oh yeah. That's, that was a dicey period for me. (laughs) Yes, it really was. I know it's, it's been crazy. Even, you know, just in the couple months leading up to my 30th birthday, I've had, you know, some really intense, like vivid dreams and just questions about where now, you know, because now I'm 30 and I need to figure out where to go from here. (laughs) Yep. Oh man, my Saturn return was such a massive death and rebirth for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. And it's like all the things that you think you figured out, it's like, then you got to start you kind of start questioning him again you're like did I really figure this out do I like what I know you know I know I got to kind of throw some stuff that I thought I knew back into the pool I guess and yeah I I completely agree with that awesome so my next question is uh kind of like when and how did dream work begin to kind of work in tandem with this new path of the herbalist that's coming online for you was that like has dream work always been kind of there or did that kind of just become like almost like a byproduct of diving into more of the natural world that you became more in tune with something inside of you that? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely say it was more of the latter. Um, I think especially, you know, what we're going to be talking about today with the the plants and the animal guide sort of things. Those are things that definitely I never as a kid or early adult, never dreamed about plants or animals or anything like that. And my dreams have always been very sort of chaotic. Like I drink, jump from one dream to the next and um, wild stuff happens and like it can be very intense and stuff like that. So it wasn't really anything I even explored too much um, until starting to work with the plants and things like that. And, you know, to be completely honest, I'm still completely new in that realm, I've only been doing this for a couple of years now to try and, you know, dive, dive deeper into it and Mm. figure out the connections there as well. But definitely, you know, being an herbalist and working with the more spiritual side of plants has uh, brought some really profound uh, connections for me between both the dream world and the physical world. Wow, very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah, because my feeling for it is, I, w- I would personally think that if you were getting that deeply in touch with the natural world and plants and, you know, really developing a really deep and profound relationship with the earth in that, in that capacity, that 
I would almost have to assume that that would trigger something that's just inborn within us that helps mm-hmm. us navigate life and helps us yeah. navigate our own inner terrains. And uh, I just think that's like such a cool way of uh, framing it. Yeah. And, that's the, uh, I mean, you're, like your inner landscape. I love, you know, on the technology, I love that. I love that idea. And, you know, and it goes so deep too. like, but just the connection with earth. And like, once you start going down that rabbit hole, it's so incredibly like it's endless like the deeper you go the more you realize you'll never get to the bottom so yeah you know i think dreams really help get you to that next level at least that's what i've experienced yeah for sure and we can look at the earth itself as like a living dream Mm. and by working with plants and ingesting plants and i mean not even just like psychoactive plants or uh hallucinatory plants uh there's still like i'm sure you would agree with me there's like a spirit inherent within these these plants and the earth itself that i would think would awaken something within somebody if if they were truly cultivating that relationship so that's like really cool stuff and why i was like super excited to talk to you (laughs) yeah that's that's awesome yeah i mean every plant does not even just a species but um, it's really interesting how where a plant is located to changes the sort of spirit and essence of the plant itself. Like, you know, a patch of nettles that grows in the compost dump here in Gladwin, Michigan is going to be completely different than a patch of nettles growing in the Appalachian mountains and, mm. and things like that. So they all have different spirits, different essences. And a lot of herbalists who kind of work in the sort of animist sort of uh, way with plants do things called like plant meditations. And so a lot of times that we believe the best way to kind of get in touch with the spirit of plants is to physically drink the plant. So uh, a lot of times we'll just make a really strong brew of tea of a certain plant and just work with that for a month at a time. And just as we drink the plant, we meditate on it and ask for any sort of messages or anything that they want to communicate to us to come through. And so uh, a lot of the ways that we figure out the essence of a plant and what it wants to tell us is through physically drinking the body of the plant. But then also, you know, the dream time is actually a really important way to kind of dive deeper into that realm, like before science, before, you know, chemical constituents were even considered a thing, like all of our ancestors, all of the original indigenous people around the world knew exactly how to work with plants medicinally, magically, and science is really just confirming those things at this point. But, you know, if you went back to our ancestors and asked them, well, how do you know how to work with this plant? They would tell you, well, the plant told me. And a lot of this comes from dream time. A big part of the uh, healing sort of folk practices of a lot of you know, uh, ancient civilizations was getting messages of plants through dreams. That's how they figured out how to work with them, not just on a spiritual level, but a medicinal level as well, which is crazy to me that, you know, they had all this medicinal knowledge of how to use plants without even knowing any sort of physical uh, makeup or physiology of, of the plant itself. And so it's just kind of a great testament to how closely linked our ancestors were, not only to the the natural world but to the subconscious and 
connecting those three things is it's it's powerful stuff yeah wow that was very beautifully said wow that just like (laughs) (laughs) it just like launched me into this whole uh, rabbit hole in my head i was like wow this is (laughs) it's intense All right. Well, let's let's start uh, looking at the dream side of things here. Uh, so, shall we shall we dive into the fox dream that you had? Yeah. yeah sure. How about you give us like? Uh, can you give us a little bit of like a lead up to this yeah. dream of yours? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, definitely to preface it, I've I had a dream about foxes before this incident, which I'll get into. Um, and the first dream was three baby foxes in a bush. And that's all I remember. So that was the first sort of encounter with the fox. But then, you know, the next incident was probably maybe a year later. Um, my husband and I were actually thinking of selling our house and moving to the city, uh, which was closer to friends and family. And for those that don't know, I live right now pretty much in the middle of the woods, like in Northern Michigan, it's very secluded, very isolated, which I absolutely love. It's, you know, great for being an herbalist and and things like that. But uh, we wanted to be closer to to friends and family. And so we found this house and put an offer on it, got accepted, and we were going to move down there. And the whole time I was, uh, I thought it was the right thing to do, but I was feeling kind of nervous about it. I wasn't sure if it was the right move, but also I am a very indecisive person in general, like very indecisive. So I thought maybe (laughs) it's just me, you know, getting in my head, stuff like that. So I kind of put it to the back of my mind. Um, But then, you know, honestly, I don't know what came first, but when I was just driving uh, a little baby fox ran out right in front of my car in broad daylight, I did not hit it, but it was it was close and uh, it really rattled me because I rarely see foxes um, in the real world as well. And so whenever I see one, it feels like foxes have always been sort of um, a guide for me just in general. And so whenever I see one, it feels like it's trying to get my attention for something. And Mm -hmm. so that one really shook me not only because I saw a fox, but also because of how close the encounter was to hitting it. Like it was mm-hmm. a little traumatizing and you know, it's, it's not strange. I see animals out here on the road all the time. We see like bald eagles on the road, like coyotes, you know, raccoons, just everything. But this little Fox like really shook me up. So not shortly after um, I had a dream where I was out on a walk with my dog in the woods and um, we came across a, a fox den. And so this is obviously where the foxes lived. And there was a mother fox. And then there were three baby foxes as well. But they were the three baby foxes were actually a little bit bigger than the foxes I had originally seen in the first dream. Hmm. And I don't know if that's significant at all, but that's just what I saw. There were three red foxes and one gray fox. And my dog wanted to go up there and like bark at him and stuff like that, but I held them back. And so basically the conclusion of the dream was just us kind of staring at each other. I didn't really 
feel either way. I wasn't scared. I wasn't, you know, excited. We just mm-hmm. all four foxes stood at their den and stared back at me and I stared at them. And then that really was the dream. And even though nothing crazy happened in it, like I was, I was really shook up by this dream. Like it was very vivid. And honestly, usually the dreams that I have about plants or animals are very brief, very short, but they usually are the ones that last the most in my mind. Um, And so after that, I started seeing, you know, foxes everywhere. Like I'd read about them in the books that I was reading. I'd see them on TV, like just, you know, passing glances, just they were everywhere to the point where I was actually getting really uh, kind of freaked out. I was like, what are they trying to tell me? Because usually, you know, foxes are associated with trickery and some sort of manipulation, whatever, things like that. Um, But they had never really felt like that to me personally, but I still could not figure out what it is. It felt like a warning of some sort. Like it felt like an omen, um, Mm. something that I should be looking out for, but I just literally... I couldn't figure it out. And so probably um, the night or so before we closed on our house, I finally kind of made peace with the fact that we were moving. Um, I was ready just to kind of let it go and see where it went. But then the day of closing, probably two hours before closing, my realtor called us and was kind of speechless. And she was like, yeah, like the deal fell through. Like literally we were just walking around talking about the move and literally getting ready to go to the title agency and sign the papers. And she's like, yeah, I have never seen anything like this before. I guess it was uh, kind of intense. Like the, the people who bought our house or were going to buy our house had found employment up here where we are now. And um, I guess something must have happened because the potential employer of the, of the potential buyer called his bank personally and told him that she would no longer be in, employing him. And obviously, if he doesn't have employment, the bank cannot give him a, a mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, which was crazy because for somebody, especially a potential employer, to call someone's bank and tell them that <laughs> they're not employing them, like knowing that they're not going to get the house is like that's a lot and so clearly there was a lot going on behind the scenes that we had no idea about so I think at that point we were just kind of in shock but at the same time like the dream you know the appearances of the fox it all sort of came back to me like this was the culmination of it like this is where it happened and then after that our realtor suggested you know putting our house back on the market like we knew we would be able to sell it because of of where we live and things like that but after the dream and sort of getting those signs, we decided to take the house off the market and just stay where we are. And that's what we did. And that's this is where we're going to stay for the foreseeable future. Um, and so, yeah, it was really intense. So that was kind of a really uh, important dream that actually influenced a big part of not just my life, but my husband's life as well. And... So yeah, that was, that was a big one. It was, it was really, it it was a wild time, a very stressful time. And after that though, like we didn't, I didn't have any more sort of run-ins with foxes. Like I still see them every once in a while, but it, when I do, it doesn't feel like there's, 
you know, some sort of message behind it as well. But, and also just a sort of a comment, like we're also very glad that we stayed. Uh, It's been about a year now since that happened. And so um, we're actually really grateful for where we live and finally realizing that this is where we want to be. And so that was, that was a really profound, I guess, dream and experience for me. So whenever I do see foxes in my dream or in uh, real life, I definitely take notice. Wow. That's, that's like such a really cool story. And I definitely have had similar situations happen where I've had animals like showing up so intensely like that through synchronicity, like seeing them on t-shirts or, uh, on random social media posts or just flooding my awareness and showing up in my dreams at the same time. So I definitely know like how crazy that that can yeah. feel and how like, you're like, Oh my God, like <laughs> literally what is it? Cause <laughs> right. Just tell me like, what is this? Uh, it's, it, I completely, yeah, that's how it was too. It was literally just flooding my awareness. It was every day. It was everywhere for probably about a month. It was, it was crazy. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. It's so interesting that since I've started talking to you about doing this episode, I've actually seen, I don't know if it's the same one, it might be, but I've seen this, see, I don't even know what it is, because if it is a fox, man, it's like suffering from the worst case of like mange that I've ever seen, because it has like almost no hair and it's all blotchy and... If that is its poor little foxtail, it has like almost no fur on it. Oh no, that's so, so sad. I had to like actually look it up. I never knew what mange was. And yeah. uh, if people out there don't know what mange is, it's like, uh, it's apparently brought on by some kind of mite or bug that basically, uh, I don't know, agitates the animal to the extent that it ends up just like losing all of its hair, ripping it out or, and it's just a... Uh, kind of a awful from what i've read just sounds awful uh, oh my god well i hope that doesn't represent anything because <laughs> now i'm a little worried uh, <laughs> i've I, never seen a like, fox with mange before i don't know yeah i was like really curious about that like what the heck is this all about like yeah because i i've seen it i work outside and i've seen it at two different properties that i work at work on and mm-hmm. They're they're relatively close in distance that it would it would be feasible that it could be the same animal. Yeah, I mean two foxes with mange in the same area, I don't know. That'd be yeah, wild. I know. Uh well hopefully I don't know. Have it's have you good... personally ever heard a fox? Do you know the sound that they make? You know, I haven't heard one in person. Usually I'm when I'm out in the woods hiking, I'm with my dog and my dog literally scares away all <laughs> wildlife whatsoever. So really yeah. the only time I even see foxes is when I'm out either like, you know, more in the city without my dog or driving, things mm-hmm. like that. So I've heard them, you know, on the just dig- digitally or virtually, but I haven't yeah. actually heard one in person. Oh my god, it's like the most haunting sound I've ever heard in my life. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I know. It'd be. I think that'd be crazy to hear in person. It probably sticks with you for quite a while. Yeah. There's there's one 
this is like a waking dream that I had. I was, and I really wish that I had like written this experience down. So I, I know specifically exactly like when in the year it happened, but I want to say on the fall equinox one year, I was taking a walk and I was doing kind of a ceremony of sorts uh, next to this lake that I was living at at the time. And I had seen one just kind of like up ahead across my path. And I was like, oh my God, I don't think I've ever seen a wild fox before. And hmm. from the looking up that I've done, foxes are like, they're kind of like threshold animals. They often live on the edge of forests and they're usually seen at like dusk and dawn because mm -hmm. they're, they're more nighttime animals. And uh, yeah, uh, what, what was I going to say? And then like, a f I want to say it was a few months later, I was doing another, I think I was doing like a burning ceremony for like a lot of grief that I was trying to process at the time. And I almost want to say it was on my actual like, natal moon like the full moon on in leo which is uh my moon sign and i think i was trying to do like a really powerful like a uh, burning ceremony that night and i had caught a glimpse of what i assume was the same fox and this was like a couple months later and was like oh my god that's really cool to, to see <laughs> an animal tonight uh as i'm going to do this mm. and yeah. while i'm in like in the thick of doing this burning and I'm like crying and like, it's all coming out. Uh, I hear it in the distance and it was like, I'm like, what the hell was that? Like it, the sound of like a fox, like crying out. It sounds like a mother witnessing its child being murdered. Like it's like the most like haunting and like terrifying sound I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounded yeah, like the but, fox yeah. was like grieving with me it was like the most like like beautiful and like powerful wow. like uh waking dream moment that i think i've ever had and, and oh my god it like i think it like it, it it wrecked me even more than i was because I, I felt like you know the natural world was like there with me like they were they were witnessing me and, and kind of like holding me in that space. And it was just like so beautiful and, oh man. But yeah, that I had to look up the noise later on because I assumed that that was the case, but it sounded like it was dying. So I was like, did, yeah, make sure okay. <laughs> did something happen? Like what was going yeah, on over there? Right, and hopefully that wasn't the case. I know. Yeah. Well, then I looked it up online and I'm like, oh my God, that's like, that's what they actually just sound like when <laughs> it's like one of their sounds that they make. Right. Like, so I'll like, I'll put a little snippet of it in this audio uh, in post <laughs> so people can hear it. Cause wow. Yeah. It's something. So here you go one more time. I added it earlier, but just to talk about this noise a little bit, this is called the Vixen scream. Haunting. <laughs> Super crazy here in person too. Like whoa. I guess males do do this sound sometimes, but it's mainly the females. And it's typically only heard during mating season. And it says usually the call goes unanswered unless it's answered by that particular fox's mate. Yeah, I actually had somewhat of 
the same experience, not with a fox, but with an, an owl, um, because it sort of that sort of waking dream. So it's interesting that you say that um, it was actually in the dead of winter. And, you know, obviously you live in the north right now. And so you kind of know how intense winters can be up here and like how cold and dark and yeah. you know there's a lot of snow sometimes and so it was sort of one of those nights and uh i just had this feeling that i needed to go out into the woods um at night in the middle of the night and like i said i live very remote remotely there's we can't there's no neighbors like i'm in the middle of the woods and so i but i felt really strongly to just go out in the woods and so I didn't take my phone I didn't have a light or anything like that and so uh, I went outside and I did take my dog Um, so we just started kind of walking into the woods in the middle of the night and I was like why what am I doing like I don't really know where I'm going I'm not really sure what this is for but I uh, finally got to this little clearing that we have where there's sort of a marsh area and so I came to this clearing and sort of looking around the clearing it was kind of transformed like you know how things kind of just sort of change at night so it was yeah. sort of that eerie sort of feeling like all of the trees standing around the the marsh area felt like the first term that came to my mind was a council of trees it looked like they were all like looking at me like <laughs> trying to you know either let me know something, judge me. Like, I wasn't sure what it was, but I just stood there sort of in awe of this council of trees, sort of, you know, just being present with me in that moment in the middle of the night. And so I stood there for a while and I was like, well, what am I here for? Like, give me a sign. Like, I need to know what I'm doing. And also just preface this, it was sort of a time in my life where I wasn't, you know, we had just moved here. It was really scary. I lived in downtown Denver for a while at that point. And so moving to the middle of the woods in Northern (laughs) Michigan was a big change. And I was struggling with it a little bit, you know, and it was sort of, uh, it was kind of scary, which was strange because, you know, you'd think being around less people would be less scary, but being in the middle of the woods, there's nobody around you, you know, it's, it can be a little unnerving. And so Um, just going into the woods that night on my own in the middle of the night without a light was a big step for me. (laughs) And so I was like, just give me a sign. Like, why am I here? What am I doing? And then literally out of nowhere, it was like, honestly, it it, it was a screech. And then it kind of descended into sort of like, it's almost kind of like a monkey, like a chimpanzee. Like it was wild. I had never heard anything like it before. And it was loud. And I looked at my dog, though, because obviously, you know, dogs, they know if there's danger around, and he didn't seem, um, you know, perturbed at all. He wasn't, you know, barking, growling, and he's very protective, so as once he, you know, he was fine, I was like, okay, like, this is the sign I was asking for. Like, it literally happened as soon as I asked for a sign, and then, finally, after all this crazy screeching was done, it kind of turned into hooting, and so then I was like, oh, it's an owl. And so he kept hooting. And so I started following the sound back. And because it sounded like he was coming back from where the house was. And so I I followed the sound back 
until finally I reached back to my front door and I realized the owl was literally right outside my front door. I didn't see him, obviously it was nighttime, but it felt like he was right there. Like it was sort of, he was like a guardian of the place and sort of in that moment it kind of felt like he was just telling me like, this is where you belong. Like this is, this was like your initiation into this place, you know, because up until that point I kind of always felt like an outsider where I was like I'd get nervous and even in the middle of the day just walking around the woods I was afraid like somebody was going to come tell me to like leave or like get off their <laughs> property like I got a terrible case of poison ivy literally the first week I was here like it was oh, just man. crazy stuff you know and so finally with this owl here it felt like I was finally sort of just welcomed in, into the forest so it was that was also a really sort of profound um waking dream if you will as as well for me and so that's that sort of stuff sticks with you yeah that's that's like really cool because especially if if you're like you feel like you haven't quite felt settled yet or like welcome to the space yeah to have that where you feel like you're standing before the council of trees, like the forest is like gauging you and yeah. you're kind of like, kind of give me a sign. Like, am I okay to be here? And all of a sudden the owl just comes monkey screeching out of the trees <laughs> and is like, she's good. Yeah. Right. Oh, it was crazy. It was so funny too, because after that, I literally, there's like 12 different owls in Michigan. So I literally listened to every single owl call to try and figure out what this was. And I did figure out it was a barred owl. Uh, And so it was during a time in the winter, they actually mate during the winter. And so that was like their mating call. And that's why it sounded so crazy. Um, So uh, yeah, that, that made sense then. And then after that, the owl, uh, I mean, he lives right around our house. He must have a, a a nest somewhere around here because I hear him all the time now. Like whenever I go outside at night to let my dog out to go to the bathroom, he's always hooting and stuff. And it's always just a really comforting presence. But yeah, you're you're completely right. It felt like, especially with the poison ivy and like just other little events that led up to that, definitely felt like sort of I was being hazed, you know, like I was being like tested. <laughs> and then finally, when I got to this council of trees, it felt like I was finally at you know, sort of the judgment, uh, table, if you will. And so that was, yeah, it was powerful. Wow. That's so cool. I actually have like such an affinity with barred owls. They're like, God, yeah. they're like so beautiful out of all the owls. I think that's like my favorite. They're, they're like black eyes and mm. little soft face is just like, <laughs> God, I just love them so much. I agree, and it's I'm, maybe I'm just biased because now that I know that I at least have one living around my house, maybe that's what it is. But I <laughs> think they're gorgeous, gorgeous owls. They're they're so cool. So one of my uh, probably more very like vivid dreams that I've had with an animal was uh, an encounter that I had with a black panther, and oh wow, I. Uh, It was in 2012, like going into the fall of 2012, and I don't, I don't remember exactly why I felt it was so necessary to know what kind of animal would help me through what I was going through. Uh, But one night, I, I was just like so firm on it, and I was like, "Please, like, 
if you can offer me an animal that would be such a powerful ally for me right now to face kind of a, I felt like I was moving into a whole new phase of my spiritual journey. And I was kind of like, it didn't feel like a good yeah. <laughs> movement. It felt like I was uh, being led into a lot of things that I had not wanted to go into. And so I was like, I could, I could sense that. And so I think one night I was just kind of like, I need, I need some help. Like if you could just even just offer me like an animal that would be like a powerful ally that would have medicine that could help me understand and kind of move forward with more grace and more uh, strength. And, you know, sometimes when you, when you, when you kind of set intentions like that, if it's not quite right, you know, sometimes it's not honored mm-hmm. or it's not, or it takes like a few days or, uh, but this was like instant that night. Couldn't believe it. It was like so quickly answered. And uh, I was in a, on just like a neighborhood street, just a regular old street, but it was at night and the energy in the dream felt kind of like a little dicey, kind of like constantly looking over my shoulder. And I was walking with a, a good friend of mine from high school And as we're walking, I keep feeling like there's something following us. And so I kind of keep looking back. And at first I don't see anything, but then as I feel it getting closer, I start catching glimpses of like, you kind of see it slink behind something or like kind of hide behind a car. And I started noticing that it was an animal, but I didn't know what kind of animal it was yet. And I'm just like, we gotta get the heck out of here. And I take him by the shoulders and uh, we run up to the nearest house and somehow very gracefully scale the first story of this house with no ladder. We're just like all of a sudden we're up on the second floor roof. And for a, for a brief moment, I think, ah, oh, there's no way it can get us now. And just as soon as like that thought enters my head, there it is. It's like <laughs> there was no, uh, no challenge in that animal getting up there with us either. And instantly I, I'm just in a deadlock, like a stare down with this animal. And it's a, just the most beautiful black panther that I've ever seen. And it's just kind of slowly stalking right up to me. And it's probably like about six or seven feet from me now at this point. And we're pinned against the, the side of this house. There's nowhere I can go. And in that moment, I basically just accept that I'm about to die. Like, I go through the full, full feeling of acceptance of my impending death. And it it almost like, I'm almost proud that that's how I'm gonna die. (laughs) Like, it's like, man, if I'm gonna die, like, this animal is so beautiful. Like, that's like a death that I can be okay with. And, uh, I literally like, yeah, it never actually attacks me in the dream. I wake up heart full racing, but uh, yeah, it just kind of stares at me and it's got these beautiful like yellow gold eyes and they're just so piercing. And uh, when I woke up from that dream, I was just like blown away and I'm like, oh my God, like, all right, well, uh, that was like super intense. I'm not exactly sure how to take that is the journey ahead of me really going to be that intense that this is the animal that I need. Um, 
And that being in 2012, I have almost a decade worth of hindsight knowledge on just how intense that journey really was about to be for me. Uh, and yeah, like right at the end of 2012 is when I got launched. I had like a very hardcore experience that really launched me into my shadow. It just like lifted me up so high and dropped me right on my ass that I had to look at all of the pain and the grief and the anger that was just still inside of me that I thought I had overcome through meditation and stuff like that, but had just been kind of like putting a nice uh, bandaid on and man, and like looking up the symbolism of the Black Panther, especially being able to look back on how the journey has gone now, it's just like so wild. It's like it, wow. it does hold a lot of like symbolic power for facing your shadow, being a black cat that is nocturnal and just how stealthy and powerful and intense its energy is. But it's also like uh, reclaiming your power and kind of reclaiming the feminine. And there's like so much great energetic power within the the Black Panther symbolically. And I mean, those three things right there, facing the shadow, reclaiming your power and kind of reclaiming the feminine self is exactly like the journey that I've been on for like the last nine, 10 years. So what an ally like that animal has been. It's just uh, unbelievable how, how it came to my aid and has kind of given me the strength to, <laughs> to walk this path. Uh, yeah, that's, I got chills when you were telling me about that dream. It's crazy because it kind of felt like, at least to me, that that was like, either your initiation or like uh, just communicating that you were like maybe in the dark night of the soul. Like that's what, I mean, the fact that you knew you were going to die, like that's, you know, and being accepting of it or maybe coming out of the dark night of the soul. I don't know. That's like the first thing that popped into my mind, like, and you know, how intense that experience is and, and stuff like that. And I feel like a black Panther could even represent just the dark night of the soul. It, itself like it's such a you know grace and strength like there's no other animal that represents that better besides you know those and the other big cats maybe like those are yeah that's that's an intense dream and you know it's crazy how that works it's crazy how all you have to do is ask yeah and i'm glad you brought that up because that's kind of like the biggest part of the dream is like accepting my death because that that does feel like um, it's like an inborn test almost in the dream of if I'm willing to face off with this animal and accept that I'm going to die, then that's kind of like, that's almost been the mantra of doing the shadow work. It's this constant death to mm. who I thought I was yeah. and embracing more of the aspects of myself that I have shunned or shied away from or thought wasn't lovable or even like, I mean, that's even beautiful aspects of myself that I'm too scared to, to own or to embody within myself. And so, yeah, it's a very initiatory like experience of like accepting that walking this path and taking 
and taking on the power that this animal is is holding for me is going to require that I accept the death of who I've been. So it's that's like chilling almost. It's uh <laughs> Oh yeah. I mean that isn't that the most terrifying thing anyone has to face? Oh yeah. Their own death, you know? And I think it's crazy too because I feel like I've also lived and died a thousand lives in the past 10 years. And so, yeah, I think, you know, I can totally relate to that. The fact that you just need to, uh, you know, make friends with death, uh, at least on some level, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like doing, going, walking that path and doing all the shadow work I've done, like death has become such an ally and, um, I mean, right now we're recording this in the fall and like feeling into the energy of fall. And I mean, you can feel it when it gets dark. Like oh, yeah. it's, it's, there's a different quality to a fall darkness than any other time during the year. There's like, you can feel it in the air oh, that yeah. like the dark mother is here and she's, she's coming to claim something from you that isn't serving you any longer and uh yeah it's like death can be like such an ally if we if we learn to like align with it and it really gives you the opportunity to be able to actually release things that you've maybe even just unconsciously been carrying that maybe you haven't even realized has been like a dead weight that you've been just dragging behind you yeah, I I love this time of year. Um, and I don't know, I'm a Scorpio sun and moon. So oh, like being thanks. right, it's intense. It's an intense combination. Oh, my God. And so like, so like, you know, right now with the Scorpio new moon, this is like, and your birthday today, this is like double duty for you, huh? It's double duty. <laughs> and I've been feeling it. Trust me, like I just uh, sort of announced that I'd be taking this whole month off of social media and stuff. I feel like I've uh, been really called to get deep into some projects that I've been working on, but yeah, it's, it's intense to say the <laughs> least. Um, especially this, uh, Scorpio new moon as well. So, um, I, but I've always been sort of had a weird sort of macabre relationship with death ever since, you know, I was a kid, I had probably my first existential crisis when I was like, you know, in second grade or something <laughs> like that. Right. And so my parents obviously had no idea what to do with me. Oh, They're like, man. why is this kid like, <laughs> like worried about death and asking all these questions about death? And But I mean, that's, you know, knowing more now about who I am, like on the spiritual level, astrological level, it all it all makes sense. And so, uh, yeah, I can definitely relate to the fact that death is can be a great ally and it's not a path for the faint of heart. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I definitely agree. I don't know if you've had any different experiences, but you know, usually the dreams when I see animals, they they literally just stare at me, and I just stare back at them, and that's like that's the dream. Like nothing else, you know, happens. But just the, that moment of connection is is so strong yeah. that like you either instantly know their message or it gives you you know pause for thought, and it it just makes you think about it later when you're awake it's uh it's crazy how they can do that yeah i find that there's like there's either like the casual 
encounter of an animal in a dream or there's like a full-on encounter where there is that eye-to-eye connection and we just did an episode with Matt Cochran and he had a dream where he had a face-to-face eye-to-eye contact with an antelope and it just broke his heart to pieces because there was so much love that transferred between uh, the eye contact mm-hmm. with the animal that it just like shattered him in such a like a beautiful way. Yeah. And yeah, th- there's something, I mean, the animal world in general speaks more with body language and with eye contact that I feel like when we have those encounters in our dreams that are like that, it's like, there's like an unspokenness that happens there, but it's so intense and it's so like, it's so deeply felt with just uh it almost like calls something out of you having that experience of having that that eye to eye contact with them and yeah. part of me feels like based on the dreams that I've had where I've had kind of a standoff is kind of the wrong word but just that like intense face to face encounter with an animal like that is that they're like the intensity of that eye to eye connection is trying to call what they hold for you out of you. It's kind of like inviting you into communication with their energy, with their symbolic power. And that's kind of how I've always looked at those dreams because it feels like, Oh my God, they've come to me. They're right there. They're like, there's something that I hold that I'm trying to call out of you. And it's kind of like, depending on how fearful you are of that kind of maybe in a sense tells you your trepidation of stepping into that power. <laughs> um, because oftentimes I feel like I met, especially with like the back, the black Panther, like it was, I was terrified to death literally. Um, but at the same time I was so in awe. Like I remember looking at it and being like, you are the most majestic, beautiful thing I've ever seen. Oh my God. And so, like, there's that, like, <laughs> excited awe that happens in those moments. And at the, at the very same times, like, completely meshed, like, intertwined in that awe is, like, such deep fear <laughs> of being, like, whoa, there's, like, such, you have so much power that, like, how could I even ever, you know, <laughs> it, like, humbles you in such a way that is, like, are you seriously suggesting that I could even hold any of that <laughs> inside of me? Um, and yeah, it's just, I don't know. I feel like it. those face-to-face, eye-to-eye ex- encounters with animals is, is almost like an initiation of its own where it's there's something wild that is trying to call that wildness out of you. And I think it's like such a beautiful way that the natural world seeks to have us integrate greater web of life. And I think it's just one of my favorite aspects of dreaming for sure. Yeah. I think that, you know, the eye contact is the key. Like that's when you have that eye contact with an animal, it's almost like seeing a reflection, you know, that's kind of, you know, reflecting yourself. I mean, animals and us and plants, we all share the same ancestor. It was like some 
protozoan or some bacteria of like millions of years ago. We're all from the same stuff. And like, I think realizing that and seeing that in dreams and seeing it reflected back to us makes it so, I think that's what brings about some of the fear too, like realizing Mm -hmm. how deeply we are connected to everything. Like that's, that sort of awe, that sort of fear. I think the only like waking life experience I can relate to that is, uh, looking up at the stars on, you know, a really dark night where there's no light pollution and you look up and there's just billions of stars in every direction. And if you even try and look in like a little dark nook of the universe, like you, you know, you like instinctually know that even beyond that darkness, there's more stars, there's more stars, it's infinite. And so like just even that feeling of feeling so in awe, but also so terrified of how, (laughs) expansive how large how unending everything is like how can our even human minds even grasp that but i think that fear that awe is our closest way of you know grasping it of coming close to it the closer we get to the great mystery to spirit the more terrifying and powerful and awe-inspiring it is i mean that's you know especially us on this sort of spiritual path that's what we're looking for that's you know, yeah. that's the point. We want to feel something, right? So it's like, yeah, it's intense. Yeah, it's really intense. Well, I'm really curious to ask you about how plants have shown up in your dreams as guides and kind of like how you how you walk through your waking life also and maybe plants show up as the same in your waking life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think probably the first, like I mentioned, I I never really dreamed about plants or animals really that much when I was younger before I started doing this. So the first probably dream I ever had was of witch hazel. And it was funny because I didn't actually, I had never seen witch hazel in the wild before. I knew it grew wild uh, around where I am here, but I had never seen it. And so in the dream, first of all, it was summer during the time of the dream. And then in the dream, I knew it was also summer. And the the only thing that happened in this dream was I was looking up at the sun through like a shrub and it was just green leaves. All I could see was just the the sun shining through this shrub sort of playing on the leaves and things like that. And then in that moment, I knew, I was like, oh, this is witch hazel. And I had been looking for it in the wild, but I hadn't I hadn't found it. And, but I was like, that doesn't make any sense because witch hazel, as we all know, has like yellow flowers, like, you know, turns yellow and what things like that. So I was like, how, how could this be witch hazel? doesn't make any sense. And then like, I woke up and (laughs) I was like, okay, that doesn't, I, I guess. And so it wasn't, it wasn't like a dream that kind of stuck with me, like, you know, the Fox dream or anything like that. It wasn't one of those that was like, you know, kind of, yeah, punched me in the in the face sort of thing anything like that it was just like something that was interesting and different because it had never happened before but also I didn't know what it meant and so I kind of tucked it away into um my consciousness and then you know it was interesting because I would go on this new trail that I had been on for uh just a short amount of time you know we're in the middle of you know, thousands of acres of wood. So there's plenty of places to go. So I just started this new trail, started walking down it pretty often, um, just sort of normal trail, nothing like super exciting or anything about it. But, you know, I just like being out in nature. And then in the fall, 
like I realized that this whole trail was completely bordered on both sides by witch hazel. I had no idea that witch hazel was there until it bloomed mm-hmm. during the fall. I hadn't really looked that closely. And so it was just the sea of gold on both on both sides of, of the trail. And it was like in that moment, as soon as I saw them, that I was like, oh, this is that dream. Like I had never seen witch hazel before that I knew of. And yet in my subconscious, in my sort of instinctual, ancestral way, mm. like, I still knew Witch Hazel. And that's, at least in the dream, that's what I kind of, looking back at it, kind of thought. Like, Witch Hazel was telling me, hey, <laughs> I'm here. You walk by me every day. And, like, you know I'm uh, Witch Hazel. Like, just look at me and, like, this is who I am. Like, it felt like the yeah. plant was trying to call out to me. And so... um, even in just such a simple dream like that, it probably lasted 30 seconds. Um, and then sort of seeing that in person brought it all full circle. And it was a really profound moment for me. And also just really exciting because as we kind of talked about earlier, you know, before science and all that stuff, uh, medicine people and shamans and all of that would learn how to heal with plants through dreams. So this was sort of like the first time I was able to communicate with plants through dreams. And so that was a really um, special moment for me to sort of connect with it. And then, you know, since then I've been able to have dreams that have uh, been of plants that would tell me, you know, how they want to be used and things like that. And it's interesting because they're, they would tell me things, you know, uses for them and things like that, that if you looked on like a website or like a WebMD or whatever about, you know, what this plant is good for, you wouldn't find that use on the website. It was telling me to do things with it that wouldn't, you know, scientifically basically be used for. And so I was like, this is, this is interesting. This is weird. But then, you know, as I started using it, it actually, it, it was all, it all kind of came to fruition and it all started making sense because like I mentioned, there's just so much more to plants than just the chemical constituents there's sometimes you know especially the plants that we need will call out to us and i think one good example of this was yarrow yarrow is a really uh important plant for me and i had a dream of yarrow telling me to take a fresh tea of the leaves because i was having really bad neck pain and head pain at the time and it was causing me just anxiety and things like that and it was to a point where it was every day it was bad and I felt really down and so uh yeah I made a fresh yarrow tea and like it instantly sort of soothed and eliminated that that pain and lifted my spirits as well which is uh it was kind of crazy to me because usually yarrow is used as sort of uh, an antiseptic. It stops bleeding as well. It's antiviral. So people use it for like colds, flu, things like that, but not really for um, physical pain or even really as a herb for the nervous system. But in that moment, like that was the plant that was calling to me. That was the plant that (laughs) told me you need to use this and this is how you will get better. And so that was also a really, um, that was the first time I think that I started getting medicine, uh, sort of messages from plants. And so it, and it doesn't happen super often either. I haven't really sort of delved into trying to work, you know, even more deeply with that 
But I do plan to do that this winter now that things have sort of calmed down. I want to get more into sort of receiving medicine messages from the plants. But yeah, things like that will happen from time to time. And it's, uh, it, it feels like coming home, you know, it feels like you're sort of, it, it just feels natural, because that's what our ancestors did. That's what we were meant to do. We were meant to speak with plants. That's, after all, like I mentioned, we're the right. same, we come from the same stuff. Like, we, we can communicate on so many levels, and we've only just scratched the surface of it in our modern society. Wow, that is like so cool. I was really hoping that you had a few examples of that. That's yeah. And I bet it does feel like coming home. I bet it feels like very validating that like Yeah. The plants really want they want you. Like they want to communicate with you and they want to aid you in doing the work that you're doing. And like I'm a musician yeah. and when I came out of a really hard experience a couple of years ago, they started finally for the first time. I've been doing dream work for sixteen years now. And I always wanted my dreams to like inspire music, but they never, I would have musically mm -hmm. charged dreams, but I never had any that were like, here's a song title or like, here's snippets of a lyric, <laughs> uh, here's chord progressions. I never had anything like that. And so finally they, they like really started showing up in that capacity. And that to me feels like probably a very strong comparison to what you're talking about here, where I feel very validated that they're coming to me in that capacity where it's like my deepest inner self is like, this is the music that you've always wanted to write here. Let's do it. You're now in a place where you're like actually yeah. willing to go that vulnerable. <laughs> so it's like, finally, it's like, mm -hmm. uh, I think you're finally brave enough to write these kind of songs. Whereas maybe before they were like, well, we might offer you something, but I don't know if you're going to honor it the way that if I give this to you, then we really want it to come through you. Yeah. All in due time. And it almost feels like when stuff like that happens, like it's divine intervention, you know, like it yeah. feels like you finally tapped into something that's just deeper and more expansive than yourself. You know, I For think sure. especially a lot of times dreams are just, uh, you know, things being reflected back to you of your parts of your subconscious. But then when you have dreams like that, it almost feels like, they're coming from somewhere beyond yourself. And I think that's what makes them so profound and just, uh, yeah, divine. Yeah, there's uh, something that we've kind of come back and forth to throughout the course of several of our episodes is that Carl Jung said that the dreaming mind is the mind of nature itself. Like mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. the place in which dreams arise within you is such a natural place. It's they 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 happen so spontaneously and so naturally, just like your breathing and your heartbeat. It's it's just a function that is so pure and so deeply human. I mean, I guess not specific to humans. I mean, all mammals dream, but uh, and maybe maybe not even just mammals, maybe other, maybe we just don't know it. Maybe plants dream, who knows? Uh, I mean, oftentimes dreams do feel like they're more personal to what's going on with you, but there is so much opportunity for the greater world to interface with you through your dreams. It's, I feel like it's, it connects us to the web of life and we can get glimpses of the future we can see our past we can know very firmly what's happening right now in our present and it's just 
it's such like a very completely connective experience to the great web of life and I think it's it's so beautiful when you do feel like something outside of just your own personal space is trying to communicate with you I think that really I think that's one of the most tender aspects of dreaming is that it does feel like it's connecting you to something deeper and greater and it just feels it feels like an act of belonging it feels like it's it's calling you into that greater connectedness that we all possess and for whatever reason seem to have a hard time like knowing how to like stay <laughs> in that connection yeah. You know? Yeah, and I'm always fascinated too by people that can sort of tap into other people's uh, human experience. Like a lot of people will dream that they are uh, someone yeah. else and can um, ex witness their sort of uh, what they're going through in that stage of life. And a lot of times, obviously, it's not pretty. A lot of times when people can't access that sort of space, it's very traumatic, but also it's fascinating that we really are connected not just to nature but to each other on such a deep level and it really is a great illustration of just this web of life that we're all connected to we talk about it all the time how everything's connected everything's woven together but in the dream space it's like there's all these little threads and there's no gate keeping you back and if you just pull on one little thread it could take you in a million different directions like there's no limits yeah. you know yeah absolutely and yeah if you go back and listen to episode six where jason speaks with rochelle about her experience of how she was seeing intimate details about the life of an old friend of hers that she had lost contact with for the past 10 years and the dreams were showing her images of things that were about to happen in his future and some of it she could verify based on Facebook but some of it she couldn't because they weren't actually friends on Facebook and his profile was largely private but every so often he would post a public uh, profile picture that would confirm what she was dreaming about so that's an amazing example of what she's talking about here of people being able to dream about other people's lives and Val might have been speaking more in generalities of like experiencing in a dream what it feels like to be another person of a different race or a different background or a different demographic or whatever or maybe she meant exactly this where you're having actual real experiences of other people and other people's lives and what's happening with them that's actually happening Dreams are crazy, man. You can't pin them down. Never. Do you have any other plant dreams that you want to share? Oh, gosh. Um, let's see. Yarrow. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's been quite a few. A lot of times, like I mentioned, they're just sort of passing dreams, like little messages about how to you know, work with them, how to use them, things like that. Um, maybe one that's a little bit different from that is uh, one I had of cardinal flower. Um, I don't know if it grows around you, but it usually grows in like 
wetlands and things like that. It's a really beautiful, bright red uh, flower that blooms in late summer. And I had a dream once where I was just sort of walking through a wildflower field and in the middle of this field, there were just giant, these giant trees, but they weren't actually trees. They were these cardinal flowers Hmm. and like the cardinal flowers are already very prominent, very striking in, in the wild because they're just so bright. So like they catch your eye immediately, but seeing them at such a large scale was really intense for me. And, And they were sitting right at the cross, like a crossroads and me coming from Polish and Slavic descent in, in that sort of lineage crossroads are a really sacred space, just the physical crossroads. Um, a lot of times people say that this is where shamans and witches would do rituals. This is where like gods would meet to make deals. Like a lot of magic happens mm-hmm. at crossroads and it's symbolically a place in between worlds, you know, and also in sort of our modern life, the crossroads are a place where we've got choices before us and we have so many paths that we can choose. And so just knowing that sort of significance of it from my own lineage and also crossroads are really prominent in a lot of other cultures as well, not just Slavic and Polish, but um, yeah, the crossroads are a really powerful place to receive messages, to do magic, to um, sort of reflect and figure out where you want to go from there. And so to see the cardinal flower at such a large scale at these crossroads was a really intense experience for me because crossroads also, or sorry, cardinal flower, uh, the flower essence of cardinal flower helps you to figure out, you know, the direction you want to go in. It kind of leads you in the right direction, which I guess maybe the cardinal quote unquote flower, um, kind of lends itself even in the name. And so uh, it felt like I was coming across a compass, like the crossroads were the compass (laughs) and the cardinal flower was the needle sort of pointing in uh, a certain direction, you know, that I I needed to go. Um, But the thing was, is they were growing right in the middle of the crossroads. So it felt like I had sort of arrived at, quote unquote, as cheesy as it is, sort of true north, like this was like, it was a pivotal point. It felt like just a very pivotal point um, Um, in my life just to come across that plant at that place at that time in my life. And this was also a time when um, just to give some sort of context in my waking life where I was uh, still currently working at a design job sort of in the corporate world. And I had, finish my herbalism training and I really wanted to sort of make this my life's work and stuff. But obviously there's all sorts of, you know, <laughs> things that try and hold you back, that try and sort of sneak in your mind or like, this is, this is a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. Like this is, what are you thinking? Um, so just having that dream really felt like, uh, yeah, that I was going in the right direction and that there would, this would be a space where, a lot of transformation, a lot of ascension would happen. Um, And obviously that's come true for me. And so sometimes I think like the plant dreams that I have aren't always telling me 
you know, how to use them for medicine, but just to give me a little nudge in like a certain direction. Um, and so that's kind of what I felt like that dream was. And then, uh, yeah, I, I love cardinal flowers. So ever since that dream too, I just make cardinal flower essence like <laughs> every summer and it lasts me, you know, all winter. It's a really great thing to, uh, it's a really great flower essence to take when you're feeling a little lost, a little, you know, bogged down by just the material things in this world. So yeah, cardinal flower is a great, great ally for that in dreams as well, apparently. Wow. That's, that is really cool. And I'm so glad you gave us the backstory because that, man, I mean, not only are are the plants like asking you to use it and like trying to collaborate with you on how to use them and, and wanting you to use them in, in a, even like on non-traditional ways, uh, in ways that maybe people don't even realize they can use them for. That's like mm-hmm. so cool in itself. But to think that you are about to, to make this big leap towards this new life path of yours and the plants are there saying, yeah, this is like, this is real for you. Yeah. This is, this is a path that you can take and that we like would kind of really like you to take. <laughs> we right, like you. Well, and, and that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like that's the thing is they're calling I felt like they were calling me to service. Like this is this is why I do this. I'm in service to the plants. I'm in service to the earth. And I actually just got this feeling this summer. It felt like, you know, the plants at least around me were longing for people to harvest from them, which is crazy because you wouldn't think that they'd want to be, you know, harvested and taken from and things like that. But they give so freely yeah. and they have so much to give. And so I got this overwhelming feeling of, like they just, they want to interact with us. They want us to take their medicine. They want us to give us messages. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of something that I've been feeling lately just in my waking life. And so, yeah, it all, all ties back to this dream too of, you know, how we can commune with plants. I think when people say that they speak with plants, people just assume that they're literally have their own voice and they're just talking to them. <laughs> like that's, I mean, maybe that happens for some people. I'm not really sure, but at least just speaking from personal experience, it always is more, feels like a more primal level of just knowing, knowing what they're saying. And if I do hear, you know, any sort of voice, it's my own voice, mm-hmm. but with their words. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just all about being in service to the plants and that, and that dream with the cardinal flower was definitely like, not only is this the right right direction for you, but this is this is your duty. Right. Like this is a responsibility, and yeah, like how can you say no to that? So I knew I was on the right <laughs> path after that. Yeah, well, it seems like it. I mean, even just the idea of crossroads feels like uh, every time I have a, have a dream experience, I like feel like I'm at that same kind of uh, of a moment in my own life. I mean, do you feel like you even really had a choice? Because to me, yeah, oh, no. I know, because no, no, in, no. in those moments, <laughs> to me, it feels like, you know, life gives you the opportunity to deny it. But at the same time, it feels like if I say no, then I'm like, it just feels like, yeah, that could maybe be okay. Maybe it's not life or death for you. But at yeah. the same time, maybe you are kind of like, if you were to deny life in that moment, uh, what it's c- trying to call you into that you are kind of turning your back on uh, something that maybe you were actually 
here to to do and so yeah it's kind of like that weird thing like did i ever really have a choice (laughs) right there's a i mean that's that's yeah that's when i started this too i always told people like there's no plan b for me like i'm a very um I come from a very logical family. I was taught to be logical and uh, to do all those things. But when it came to this, I was like, this is going to work because it has to, because this is what I have to do. And being an indecisive person that doesn't have, you know, come to me often where it's so intensely profound that I have no option and there's no thought of other option. There's no, but also there's no trepidation about it. There's no feeling of, fear there's no feeling of like you know I don't want to do that like it just feels not only like I don't have a choice but also like I don't want to have a choice like this I, is I know. <laughs> this is what I need to do right it's yeah it, it's an empowering feeling though when it does happen I think yeah I agree there, there's two uh kind of quotes that are coming to mind right now that maybe might inspire people if they if they're hearing this message and going I've kind of felt that experience in my own life and it, I I just don't know how or why I would be personally like why life thinks that I'm the person for that. Uh, Cause I've, I've butted up against that too. Like, I can't believe you like really think that like, what do I have to offer there? You know? Yeah. (laughs) And like one of them is, uh, is this quote that I came across uh, quite a few years back and it just like really just landed. So like, incredibly right right where i needed it and it was uh it said that god does not call the initiated god initiates the called so if you hear the call Mm. if you feel called it doesn't matter uh, how you feel how how worthy you feel of like being called into service in that capacity if you say yes and you just follow the path that it's going to offer you to walk down, then through walking that path is how you become initiated into that life. And so, yeah, that, that, that quote always like really just like gives me the shivers. <laughs> it's like, yeah, for uh, sure. cause I know like um, for me personally, it's like, I, I've always felt like what I'm supposed to do here on this earth has like a great weight to it like it's important and if i don't realize it that i'll be doing myself and probably whoever that work is supposed to help like a great disservice (laughs) and so i'm like yeah god that feels so weighty like how how am i even supposed to know what i'm supposed to do but it's like if i just continue to answer that feeling that i have uh i'll find my way and through doing the work and continuing to listen and to follow the breadcrumbs uh i essentially become the person that uh, i need needed to be all along to to do that work so that's really cool and the other one that i'm thinking of right now is from michael mead and uh he said something like it's the worst thing you could do is to tell a child that they can be anything they want to be and all you can hope for or to encourage within them is for them to become who they're meant to be. And I think there's mm, such a... I've heard that one before. Yeah, I think there's like such a subtle difference to like... And for me, that feels like, oh my God, that's like, that's like so huge to like 
because I feel like all of us are like innately like there's there's some there's something within each of us that we we're supposed to realize in this life and that that life wants to activate within us and to call us into service with and I think it's great to tell people that they can do whatever they want to do, but I feel like it lands in such a different way. It kind of like hits differently if you were to like be like, no, there's like something that only you are here to do. And yeah, there's more of a responsibility with the the way that you word that, you know? Yeah. So I feel like kind of like being at that crossroads and not feeling like you have a choice is like life being like, this is that special something that only you Or at least in this capacity, this is what you are meant to bring forward into this world. And here it is. Like here's here's like the the, the defining moment of whether you say yes or you kind of go, I don't know if I'm ready yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think a big thing for people too is, you know, there's already so many people out here, you know, talking about this subject, blah blah blah. Like what what good is my right. voice going to do? But then know if we think back to the fact that of of this web and like how many threads are connected directly to other people like they're the way you say things the way you present things what you have to offer will only you know can only be effective to I guess certain people like they're I guess certain people will only connect with you I guess is what I'm really trying to say is like your words the way you say things like that's going to be profound to somebody and only the way that you say things nobody else like what you say will affect so many people yeah i totally agree that's perfectly said yeah okay i'm glad that turned out (laughs) but uh yeah i guess i hope that makes sense because it's true though like we have so many perspectives and we're linked to people in so many different ways that um our voice is bound to reach somebody else at the end of the thread, you know, and it's just a matter of making those connections. And then I think on the other side of things a lot of people that I've met don't know what their purpose is they don't know what they're here for and on that end that can also be really scary and whatever you know I always tell these people is to follow your curiosity that's literally all you need to do that's all you need to do in life if there's something that's pulling at the back of your mind any literally anything even even if it's not like a burning passion right now if there's anything that's trying to get your attention follow it because you never know how deep that thread is going to take you i mean you really don't and i think what stops us is obviously just life responsibilities things like that but making time for your curiosities is so important and i that's also what i tell people who are interested in herbalism because it's a really overwhelming Mm. field there's so much to it Um, between growing plants, harvesting, making medicine, figuring out what plants go with what, like all it, it's so easy to get overwhelmed. It's so easy to get bogged down in the details. And I think this also applies to everything in life, but when you literally just get rid of all of that and just follow your curiosity, it'll take you exactly where you need to go. And along the way you learn the things that you need to know. It's just, 
you got to be open to that curiosity. That's literally the only difference between a good herbalist and a not so great herbalist is a good herbalist is constantly following their curiosity, constantly, you know, trying new things and experimenting and questioning things. Like that's literally all you need to do about anything, anything that interests you in life. And who knows that might even bring you to your life's calling, your life's purpose, if you don't already know what that is. Because I, I know a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah, thank you for that. That's that's great. Mm-hmm. That's really great insight. Yeah. Uh, I think to begin kind of wrapping this up, I, I just kind of want to hear your words on, you know, what is it, what does it touch within you and how, how does it, really like how has it kind of shaped your life and in, in the way that it has to have this relationship kind of erupt in your life of having uh, these allies and guides through plants and animals and how it has kind of went to work to better inform and kind of add color to your own inner and kind of outer landscape of your life uh, if you could just kind of give us a good a good way of uh, looking into your heart as far as like what this has all meant for you. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is it's shown me what true commitment is. Um, I guess uh, the only, I guess, other thing in my life that I've been that committed to is my husband. We've been together for 10 years um, in December. And other than that, though, like, I've always sort of started and stopped things from being a kid to early adulthood, um, sort of lost interest in things, just hop from one thing to another. And uh, the plants pulled me out of, I guess, this, just how how I was, the state that I was, and um, shown me what it was to be committed. And there was never, and what, it was just such a, a change for me because that, I never felt so tied to a certain thing. Yeah, there have been times where I've, it's gotten hard and I've questioned which path to take next, but it's always involved plants. It's always been this deep-seated commitment to serving the world and serving, you know, trying to help people see that as well. And so, yeah, I think 100% it's, changed me into a completely different person. And I think it's a lot of people say that people don't change. And I think that that's not true. It just, there needs to be that one thing, that one thing that pulls you into this commitment, this relationship. And so, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that the plants have taught me that this journey has taught me, the spiritual path has, has taught me that the only way to, you know, realizing your calling to being in service of others is to be 100% completely committed to, you know, to never stop to just even despite the fears and like, all that stuff, like even public speaking, doing interviews, doing podcasts before would literally terrify (laughs) me. And but there's no joke, like, start having panic attacks, getting sweaty, things like that. So like, moving past that just to sort of deliver the message of the, of the plants and being sort of a voice for them has been everything for me. And it's, 
not only connected me to the plants, but to other humans to, you know, help to see life through their eyes and all of that. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, it's erupted. Like you said, there's, there's no better way to describe it. (laughs) Yeah. That's beautiful. That's really sweet. How like, yeah, just to develop the relationship. I, I think a lot of, a lot of things have to do with, you know, the commitment is like commitment to your relationship with not only that part of yourself, but the plants and the natural world and the greater, greater service that you're here to, to provide. It's like cultivating relationships and being committed to them. And I think they, when you're, when you're willing to do that and you're able to do that, they, they give back tenfold. They, it just yeah. seems like and your think, commitment to this path is readily seen in the way that the path is committed to you. It's it's constantly mm-hmm. calling you deeper and into greater service. I think that's really quite sweet and profound. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I think, yeah, at least one of my personal purposes on life is to just get as close to the great mystery as possible. I think one of my favorite quotes is, I want to get as close to the edge as I can without going over. And that's, I think, (laughs) maybe my journey in life is to just keep getting closer to that edge, getting closer to that edge. And yeah, I think the plants have taken just that journey to a whole other level. Yeah. Living on their edges is like, uh, is kind of like where you feel most alive. It's true. I mean, and everything is reflected in nature too. And like the, the edge of, uh, nature is where biodiversity is the highest, like the edge of the forest between the meadow and the forest is where you'll see um, the most plant species, the most uh, animal species as well. This is literally like biodiversity haven is wow. right on the edge. And so literally we can, you know, derive so many messages, so much profound insight just by observing nature, just by um, you know, even the science of nature can give us spiritual insights if we really look at it that way. And, you know, m- no biologist is going to argue that the edge of the forest in between, you know, the field and the forest is where biodiversity is highest because it's true. And then if we look at, take that and look at an internal landscape, it's, that's also true. So yeah, just observing nature and listening to the messages that it's trying to tell us can give us so many profound internal messages just from the outside world wow yes ah yeah i feel like i mean observing the the world is is kind of like where poetry comes from and so yeah i mean it's it's so cool how like tangible physical things translate metaphorically on the inside it's like really that's beautiful thank you for making that that's all that that correlation that's really really awesome of course yeah it's one of my favorite favorite things to think about yeah it's it's good stuff i mean you can't make this up it's it's right out there it's right outside and you know anybody who's ever interested in herbalism they they don't know where to start or they want to start interacting more with the plant world they don't know where to start literally the first thing i just tell them to do is just go outside and learn all of the names of every plant in your yard, every tree around you, not just a maple or an oak, but a swamp oak or a sugar maple or whatever. Find 
learn the names of everything around you. Like the more you get to know the natural world, the more the, um, you'll get to know yourself as well. I mean, there's just so much to learn yeah, there. Cool. Just simply be by, you know, by being an observer. Like I, when I first moved here, I didn't even work with the medicine plants for a full year. I literally spent a year just observing and learning the names and spending time and learning when things bloom and when things die. And um, just by witnessing the natural cycles can provide just so many profound insights into, you know, your spiritual path, but also a healing path as well. Wow. Yeah. So that kind of is a nice segue into how I really wanted to close. I wanted to kind of prod you for a little bit of information. If people are curious about how they might be able to uh, use herbs in tandem with doing dream work or like setting like a nightly ritual before bed to facilitate dreams or however that works. Uh, how would you encourage that? Or like, what are the herbs or uh, that are probably the most easy to access <laughs> mm-hmm. or just in general yeah, sure. and kind of like what form, like, should that be in? Should it be a tincture? Should it be in a tea? Should it? Yeah. I mean, and I think there's so many, there's so many ways to work with plants. I think that's one thing, like I mentioned, we get stuck into how do we use this? How are we supposed to use this? I think a big thing is using, you know, your intuition to feel, you know, what feels right. So there's a lot of different ways you can uh, interact with plants for dreaming. You can either, you know, maybe do an incense by your bed before, um, you know, you go to sleep. So sort of that smoke medicine, some people make like herbal dream sachets and they put them underneath their pillow with herbs that sort of um, they want to use as, as guides. Some people have, you know, teas or tinctures like you mentioned and things like that. So, you know, whatever feels right for you, whatever you enjoy doing, um, yeah, just tapping into, just sit with it for a while, see, or try multiple things too. Try one thing for a week, try another thing for, you know, another week, just see what provides, you know, the best results. And I think as far as the herbs themselves, obviously mugwort is one that, you know, is the most commonly known and everybody talks about mugwort and mugwort is a great herb to use. Um, it's especially potent if it's fresh. So if you can get your hands on fresh mugwort or fresh mugwort tincture, that's going to be the most potent um, as far as uh, dream herbs. But then there's also, there's so many other herbs that I feel like don't get as much attention, but that are great for dream work, um, like catnip. And obviously people think of catnip as sort of giving the opposite effect, you know, on cats as sort of a stimulant, <laughs> but on humans, it's actually a sedative. So catnip helps us to calm down to sort of, um, it's very like hypnotic too. It's very, it's, it's hard to describe, but like working with catnip, it's a very hypnotic sort of herb and that kind of gets you into that dream state. So catnip is a great one. It's very accessible. It grows wild in a lot of places. Um, yarrow is another one. I talked about yarrow a little bit earlier, but yarrow has been used as a divination herb for centuries. And so, um, that, is a great herb to work with. Again, fresh is best, but you know, you can use it in a dream sachet, whatever. Um, but it also acts as sort of a protector in our dream lives because obviously dreams aren't always pleasant. They can be scary. So, uh, yarrow is a good way to sort of just have that protection when you're in the dream as well. Um, and so, 
you know, besides just like the, or kava kava, kava kava is more of an exotic herb. Some people use it for dreaming, but besides just the herbs known, I guess, for dreaming, some other herbs that you can work with to sort of um, enhance or enable that sort of dream work are working with nervines or uh, herbs that work on the nervous system to sort of, you know, calm the body down, get it into a place where we really can access the dreams. So some good uh, nervines to work with are passionflower, skullcap, lavender even, um, chamomile is a great one. And so a great way to work with nervines, I would definitely recommend taking nervines in either a tea or a tincture, either before bed or ideally throughout the day, like drink a cup of, you know, nervine tea in the morning, in the middle of the day, and as sort of like a nightcap. And so working with those nervine herbs is a, in combination with the dream herbs are a great way to sort of go to a deeper level with the dreams, especially if you're having trouble um, sort of accessing that plane. And I always think it's interesting because uh, we all have different relationships with dream herbs, as with all mm -hmm. herbs. But dream herbs especially, I feel like, like some herbs help some people, you know, have more vivid dreams. Some herbs help with dream recall. Some herbs help uh, sort of manifest a guide. Um for other people. And so the same herb could do all these different things for different people. It's just a matter of experimenting, trying it out, see what herbs work best. And actually one of my favorite dream herbs is wood betony. And I don't think it gets nearly enough um, attention. It is a nervine, but um, as a nervine, it sort of helps us to come back into our body. It's sort of, if we ever feel disconnected, it's a very grounding herb. So as you can like maybe imagine for dreaming, that would be a great thing to sort of get us into our body, get us into our subconscious. Like it's just get into the grittiness of it. And as in dreams I've found that it also helps to produce sort of guides and um, you know, whether it be a spirit guide or animal guide, things like that. So wood betony is one of my favorites. It's a really common herb um, to grow. It grows great in the Northern hemisphere and temperate areas so it's a perennial. It comes back every year. So even just growing your own wood nice. betony um, would be great. You can obviously buy it from different places too. But yeah, those are just a few of my favorites. Um, yeah, and flower essences. I think some people use flower essences as another way that you can use herbs to work with dreams. But yeah, kind of like I, I was saying earlier, just don't sort of put yourself into a box, especially with dreaming. I mean, just right. try different herbs, try different ways of working with them and just, you know, see what works. Yeah. So this is my challenge to everybody out there because I'm sure Val would definitely uh, second this notion that it seems like she's saying, sit with the herbs, see which one calls to you. Uh, maybe even ask your dreams if, if you've taken these names down and you possibly want to try some of these, maybe have the names handy, maybe research the plants, maybe find them. Uh, develop a relationship with them like see which one of them calls to you in your dreams to see which one you know takes a fancy to you or like thinks that hey i'm the one that you need you know <laughs> and i think oh yeah. for sure and, and i think based on what you're saying here i almost feel like you would probably agree that having that relationship is probably key to the effectiveness, maybe not the effectiveness of it, but maybe uh, 
if you've listened to this episode so far and you're like, oh my God, I like want that kind of relationship that she has, like she's put in the time and the relationship here. So if, if you want that same relationship, then there's going to be like a, a courting, I, I would think that that happens. And so, yeah, it's, it's building, you know, those relationships. Um, yeah. 100%. If you, and like I said, if you don't believe in it, if you don't believe it's going to happen, it's probably not going to happen for you. If the, if you know, the plants know, like <laughs> earth knows, like, you know, if, if you're not going to put faith in something that something is going to work, it's not going to work. Yeah. And so um, working with that relationship and also, you know, sitting with the plants, and like I mentioned earlier, drinking plants, like drinking the plant body um, in a very concentrated tea and just meditating with them. It's just working with them on a daily basis and yeah, committing to it. I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah, because when you had when you had said just a few minutes ago about you know taking a Nervine tea in the morning, in the afternoon, and a nightcap, I just had this beautiful image of like that being the way that you you foster that relationship that you drink in the morning, kind of very consciously and like feeling it in your body and welcoming it into your body and asking for it to kind of reveal to you like what it how it goes to work on your body and maybe like just to be in communication with it throughout the day. And I think that's like so cool. I'm like itching to <laughs> the step up my team here. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's exactly right. And um, I think it's exactly what you said. And also not just noticing, trying to get like those messages from the plants themselves, but also, noticing what they do to your body, like you mentioned, like noticing all the tiny little shifts that happens. Does this herb make me feel um, more relaxed? Do Is it sort of like make my tongue pucker? Does it feel cooling, warming? Like, what does it taste like? Like just noticing all the physical sensations is a great way to get to know an herb too. I think that a lot, a lot of times we think like that the, the spiritual world lives outside of ourselves, that it lives in some lofty place. But when in reality, um, our bodies are the greatest channelers for that sort of connection is really getting into our bodies and getting into that mm-hmm. feeling is a great way to sort of foster that relationship, foster that connection. So sort of, you know, finding ways to ground ourselves within our body and see how the plants affect us on a physical level can just take us to the next level spiritually as well. Wow. Well, thank you seriously so much for all this amazing information and for sharing all of the great stories that you did and all the dreams. I, I've been just cheesing over here the whole time. Just like, yes, this is like, this conversation has been so much like, like what I hoped for it to be, um, it like far exceeded it. So, um, and I had the bar pretty high, so that's, that's saying a lot. Um <laughs> Glad I didn't disappoint. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you. I really appreciate everything you offered all of us here today. And yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I've really been looking forward to this. I haven't uh, done an interview or a podcast in a minute. I've been so busy with stuff. So this is the first one I've done in a while. And also I think it's a great start to my 30th birthday today and just taking um, a break away for, I think the next month, I think after tomorrow is going to be the, the start of 
just taking a month off from all technology and social media. So this was a great way to to wrap that up. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for for gracing us on your birthday. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful month in the dark. (laughs) Yeah, right. Oh, I'm so looking forward to it. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Well, this concludes another episode of the Dreams That Shape Us podcast. We deeply thank you for listening and for sticking around. The Dreams That Shape Us podcast is created and co-hosted by Jam the Board and me, Steve Erninwine. All of the original music that you heard throughout this episode was created by me, Steve Erninwine, a.k.a. AQ The Dreamwalker. If you want more information on J.M. DeBoer, please visit jmdeboer.com. That's J-M-D-E-B-O-R-D.com. He has many offerings, classes, and his amazing books for you to check out. My new album that is almost exclusively inspired by dreams is now available on all streaming platforms. All you need to do is search AQ The Dreamwalker on your favorite streaming platform and look for the album The Knowing. It's out now and I've been getting the most amazing feedback that I've ever gotten from any of my music. So if you feel called to check that out, I would be so deeply honored. I really would. So check that out. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, uh, go to at aq underscore dreamwalker and you'll get all kinds of great posts on my music my process my dreams that inspire the music all that fun stuff so would love to have you there and also while you're at instagram if you want to follow the actual podcast on instagram please go to at dreams that shape us and i've been posting trailers to upcoming episodes i've been trying to post behind-the-scenes footage and sneak peeks and all kinds of fun little things there. So please come join us there. Yeah, it would be great to connect with you. This is kind of a one-way street here, so it's always nice to actually talk to people who listen. So if you're on Instagram and you listen to this podcast religiously, please come to Instagram and find me, please. (laughs) And if you would like some more information on Val and the amazing offerings that she has, please go to woodspell.com. That's W-O-O-D-S-P-E-L-L-S.com. Woodspells.com. I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, She has classes that she's offering on a whole slew of things involving herbalism and in the spirituality of plants. Uh, She has an amazing shop full of bitters and teas and the like a lot of great medicine there and she also is beginning her own podcast called the healer's moon podcast so check that out and as always thank you so much from the bottom of our heart for listening to the podcast we truly appreciate your support your ears your heart we thank you so much and and a deep and handsome thanks to val of woodspell apothecary for joining us and sharing her amazing dreams and story with us tonight. We so appreciate you. Thank you so much. 
And as always, on behalf of Jane DeBoard, I'm Steve Hernwine. And we'd like to say, nighty-night!